Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming. I know it's early on Wednesday, so I appreciate all of you showing up. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about AppStream 2.0. I'll do a quick overview of what the service is, do a demo as well. And then you'll hear from uh, Ian Chadwick from GE Renewables to talk about their journey with AppStream and enabling their application owners. And then after that, I'll do a little bit more discussion about uh, one of the other use cases with AppStream for software vendors. And then I'll hand it over to Jamila from Multiview Corporation to talk about their journey of satisfying their traditionally delivered uh, client server application. Uh, so oh, I should have flipped to the title slide. So before we get started, uh, how many of you are familiar with application streaming in general, just by a show of hands? All right, so I can probably breeze through the application streaming part. Uh, how many of you already have an application streaming technology deployed? Okay, cool. And then uh, how many of you are software vendors looking to uh, how to use AppStream to deliver software to external customers? A little bit, cool. All right, let's dive right into it. Uh, so what is AppStream? AppStream is a fully managed application streaming service. Uh, there's two parts to this. Basically, all of you are already familiar with application streaming, so I'll just breeze through that real quick, and then I'll go into what is really the fully managed component, and what does that mean for AppStream. So as you're all already familiar with uh, application streaming, it's basically the process by which your traditionally delivered desktop application is running in the cloud, co-located with your uh, backend servers, files, uh, other data warehouse, um, visualization tools, and all these things, they're all running there. Uh, next to your desktop application, which gives you high bandwidth, low latency access to your data. And so all that's being delivered to your end users is encrypted pixels of it. And it's essentially, it's cheaper to send the encrypted pixels of the data than it is the data itself. And so there's a, quite a few benefits for this. So if you think of, um, there's a, the, a security benefit from this where there's nothing actually running on the user's local device, there's no data residing there, everything is secured within the cloud. So moving into more of the fully managed side of it. So AppStream is fully managed. If you think about your traditional application streaming technology, there's uh, databases, network appliances, load balancers, uh, physical hardware if it's on-prem, administration servers, all of these other components that you have to deploy and manage yourself. With AppStream, there's none of that. AppStream manages all of that infrastructure that you traditionally had to deploy in your on-premise or AWS environment for you, and you don't have to worry about any of it. We maintain it and we keep it running for you. It's secure by default. All of the applications and data are remaining on the AWS cloud. So you don't have to worry about data moving back to the user's local device. If the user's de uh, device gets stolen, you don't have to worry about them leaving it in a coffee shop or anything like that. It's all remaining within AWS. AppStream is a fully non-persistent resource with some persistent capabilities. What that means is at the end of the user's session, we terminate the EC2 instance. And so anything that they had running, maybe they, if they got uh, some malware on it or something along those lines, none of it persists for their next session. The instance is totally terminated. And it's encrypted end-to-end. -end. So the pixel stream that the user is getting is uh, AES-256 encrypted, and so you don't have to worry about are people packet sniffing or anything like this as it traverses the internet. And you can scale on demand. So AppStream has uh, nine AWS regions globally. Uh, new this year is the Seoul region and uh, US GovCloud West. So you can deploy AppStream to the region that's closest to your users to provide them the uh, right experience and performance that you want, while also having a secondary region if you need it for high availability, disaster recovery, or anything like that. As well, AppStream integrates with application auto-scaling, and so you can use auto-scaling rules and policies to make sure that you're provisioning the right resources at the right time. You can provision based on just adding or removing a number of instances. You can use scheduled scaling, which allows you to basically manage your bootstorm. So at 8 a.m., I know I want to have 500 instances, and then at 6 p.m., I want to shrink it back down to 30, 
you can manage that to manage your cost. Also new this year is target tracking scaling. So one of the challenges we've heard from customers is, hey, I have to manage, I have to maintain a set buffer capacity set if I have a boot storm come in or uh, unexpected high demand from snowpocalypse or something along those lines. I have to make sure that there's capacity there. With target tracking, you can say I want to maintain 85% capacity utilization. An application auto scaling will automatically figure out how many instances to add or remove for you, really removing the guesswork of how do I need to set up my scaling policies. <clears throat> Much like all the other AWS services, AppStream is pay as you go. Uh, unlike the traditional application streaming technologies, there's no long-term contracts, there's no uh, licensing that you need to purchase, no, none of that. Uh, you only pay for what you provision and when you provision it. So we have customers that are using AppStream for training sessions. If you think about training sessions, uh, you're only going to use the environment for two to three days and then you're done. And with AppStream, you can provision the infrastructure for those two to three days and then turn it off and you're not paying for it ever again until you need the infrastructure again. Uh, and with scaling policies, again, you're really controlling the cost, uh, uh, the cost as you get it. AppStream integrates with your existing infrastructure and your existing IT. Uh, so you can connect your network. AppStream is connected to your VPC. You can launch resources within your VPC and apply the security groups that you're used to and other network routing rules and other network policies that you would expect. Um, identity, AppStream supports uh, SAML 2.0 federation. So for the enterprise side, if you have AWS SSO, ADFS, Ping, Okta, uh, Shibboleth, uh, Canvas now for the uh, educational customers, you can use that to maintain your existing identity. So you don't have to create a secondary identity entitlement process in order to use AppStream, you can just federate. Um, for the software vendors in the, in the room, uh, if you're familiar with S3 pre-signed URLs, uh, you can generate a pre-signed URL to provide access to AppStream, which basically means that if you have your own identity system that's not SAML compliant, you can still provide access to AppStream. Uh, since AppStream is launched in your VPC, you can provide the same level of access to your storage, uh, Windows File Shares, uh, Amazon FSX, uh, other data repositories that you have. As well, AppStream has native integration with Google Drive and Microsoft OneDrive. So if you have all those environments already set up, you can enable your users to sync those within AppStream. And then, again, because it is within your uh, network, you can attach it to any databases and servers that you have and apply separate security boundaries around it. Uh, and then uh, AppStream enables you to simplify your app delivery. Uh, because AppStream is a image-based system, which I'll walk through in just a second, uh, every user is getting the exact same version of the application. You don't need to worry about the user install their own version of it or change the configuration file or something and now it's no longer working because every time they log in, they're getting the version that you as the administrator had provided to them in the configuration that you want them to have. So you don't need to worry about sprawl. You don't have to worry about Windows patches anymore. You patch the image, every user will get it as soon as you apply it to the fleet. AppStream is managed through code. So again, very similar to other AWS services, you can use our rich SDK and command line interface in order to manage your, inter, uh, your environment, as well as use CloudFormation so you can very quickly uh, programmatically stamp out environments that you need in different regions, or you can create your own automation using our SDKs. Uh, also new this year is uh, we have on-instance image builder APIs. So one of the feedback that we got from customers is, hey, with the image builder process, I have to manually go through the GUI, install the application manually, create the image manually. I really want to be able to programmatically manage this. And so we made available a command line interface on the image builder that enables you to programmatically manage the environment. You can apply your branding. So this allows when your user lands on the AppStream catalog to see a common look and feel that they would expect. 
uh, when they land on it. So you can apply your GE logo, for example, to the catalog, and so when your user lands on it, it looks like they're actually landing in a GE environment versus some third-party service that they're not aware of. You can apply your footer links and all these other things that really enable to provide, uh, enable the end user to feel like it's a, a service that is being provided by their company. AppStream has flexible hardware types. So we have a, a variety of instance types and sizes to really allow you to right-size your workload based on what you're doing. Uh, so if you're delivering something like SAP GUI, that's a much smaller workload, or even a Chrome browser, you really need just this uh, standard.medium instance type, which starts at 10 cents per hour in the US East region. Uh, but on the flip side, if you're doing like an HPC-style workload uh, with Team Center or Siemens NX or uh, MATLAB, and you need a GPU to do CUDA workloads, we have the Graphics Pro instance, which makes the uh, Tesla M60 available. Uh, or if you're doing more of uh, other SolidWorks workloads, we have a graphics design instance that's based on the AMD instance family that uh, starts at 25 cents uh, per instance per hour in US East 1. Also new this year is the EC2 Z1D instance type that we've made available. Uh, this was a customer ask because the Z1D uh, is a memory optimized instance with a super fast uh, single thread. So it goes up to four gigahertz. So you have workloads that need a really fast CPU. We've made that available. Uh, so in a nutshell of how does the overall AppStream process work if you want to onboard. Uh, so we have what we call a AppStream image builder, which is basically just a persistent EC2 instance that you can connect through, through your browser. Uh, and you can upload your installers or if you have them on a network share or an S3 or something along those lines. Uh, you can install them how you would on any desktop computer similar to your laptop. Pull down the installer, install it, uh, configure it the way you normally would, and then launch our wizard to specify which applications the user can access and launch. Uh, after that, you then create the AppStream image, uh, and then you create the fleet off of that image. Uh, in, pro in sort of in parallel with that fleet being created, uh, you can then start doing, you can connect your uh, identity system. So you can enable your SAML 2.0 Identity Federation to provide access to your end users, uh, connect it to your VPC and other storage if you want to enable Google Drive or OneDrive. Uh, it's all very simple through the, uh, through the AppStream Management Console, or you can use it through the APIs. Alternatively, if you want to do it for proof of concepts or you just need a, a quick environment, AppStream does provide uh, built-in solutions for these things. Uh, we do have the user pool feature, which is a uh, built-in uh, identity system, as well as persistent storage. So you can enable S3 home folders or app settings persistence, in order, uh, which uses S3 as a storage to enable some persistence capabilities for your end users. Uh, so then you create the fleet, and then you entitle your users to the fleet through your identity system, and then your users securely access their desktop applications through a browser on any computer, which I will show in the next slide. Um, so new this year, cool. So new this year is uh, we've enabled uh, tablet support and gesture support. Uh, so we had, we had asks from customers that, hey, we want to provide sort of intermittent access to our applications. Uh, from a tablet using gestures that we use, or we're used to. So I'm gonna do two demos. Uh, the first demo is more of the enterprise style use case using AWS SSO as the SAML identity provider. I've already got my credentials entered because I don't wanna show you as my password. Go ahead, hit sign in. Uh, okay, so now this shows me all of the resources that I've entitled. This would be a very similar process if you're using something like Ping, Okta, uh, that have an application catalog associated with it, the user will see whatever resources the admin has entitled to them uh, in the catalog. I'll go ahead and launch our graphic stack. I need like some background music. 
so on the stack, these are all the applications that uh, my administrator has made available to me. I can choose which application I want to launch. Uh, I will launch SolidWorks. Uh, this instance is our graphics design instance, which has an AMD GPU associated with it, which is enabling uh, applications like Blender and SolidWorks to work. Go ahead and accept the EULA. So I'll go ahead and select my Raspberry Pi model. So for example, let's say I wanted to go to a, uh, a meeting and I wanted to be able to show off my 3D model that I had been working on to my coworkers or my manager. Uh, I don't have to bring my bulky engineering workstation anymore. Now I can just bring my iPad. And so it's much easier. Uh, I can select things, I can modify it. I don't know how to use, sol I don't know how to use SolidWorks, but I can rotate. Uh, Multi-finger gesture support works. Uh, and so I can sort of use this in a way that's enabled uh, for my end users. But all the other standard AppStream functionality is still there. So if I need to launch other applications, um, I can. I can launch whatever I need. Uh, I can manage it between the two applications. Uh, so it provides sort of a, a very rich experience straight from the browser on the device. So there's no application to install. There's no plugins or anything like that to manage. It's a full HTML5 compliant stream. Uh, and the nice thing about that is it's very firewall and proxy friendly. Uh, so you don't have to worry about, do I have to open up extra ports or anything like that? If you have an existing proxy to the internet, it works perfectly for that. Um, I can go into full screen mode and just provide a, a full screen experience with it. So it provides overall a very rich experience if I don't break it. Provides a rich experience for the end user. Uh, you can trigger like the on-screen keyboard to make, be able to pass in keystrokes. Um, cool. So the other demo that I want to show off is a new feature that we're, we launched this year for more tailored for the software vendor side of the house, uh, which enables you to provide an embedded experience within a web portal. Uh, so previously, customers uh, wanted to, or software vendors want to have their Windows application alongside of their web portal. And uh, AppStream now enables this with our embeddable feature. So we provide a JavaScript object which allows you to control the AppStream experience programmatically through JavaScript and manage the experience. So here's the example, uh, and all of this code that I'm showing is gonna be publicly released, and parts of this are already there with our uh, software vendor workshop to help bootstrap you with uh, taking advantage of AppStream as part of your web portal. Uh, so the example that I'm gonna use here is you can basically say, these are all files that are stored in S3, and I wanna launch them in Blender. And so I can just go ahead and hit submit. Uh, in the background, it's calling API Gateway to Lambda, to generate a pre-signed URL for me, and then it's redirecting me into AppStream. And if you notice, now I'm still within my web portal. Uh, the AppStream toolbar is gone because the administrator has decided, hey, this user really doesn't need it. Uh, and now I have Blender sitting here. And if you imagine, you can put whatever information and material you want around this. So if you want to do this as uh, for training material, you can put your training material on the top or bottom so your user doesn't have to flip back and forth between a booklet or another tab or something like that to do their training, they can see it very seamless. And uh, because uh, this instance is also graphics enabled with an AMD GPU, I can provide sort of that rich experience from a device that doesn't have a GPU. So think of Chromebooks, uh, Ultrabooks, uh, any device that really uh, can now have access to the full power of an EC2 instance that it normally wouldn't. Cool, now flipping back to the slides. Okay, so I'm gonna talk briefly about the use cases uh, and then we'll bring up uh, uh, Jamil and Ian after that. So on the enterprise side, uh, what we see uh, for why customers are using AppStream 
It's to deliver virtualized business and graphics applications. Uh, and the reasons for that are security. You can apply a different security boundary around your Windows application than what you can on your physical device. You don't need to worry about MDM and other tools, all that uh, to manage it because nothing is actually residing on the local device. It's all remaining within the cloud. If the user's device gets stolen, no concerns there. Uh, management, all the applications are centrally managed. You don't have to use other application deployment tools or patches or anything like that. It's all managed centrally by through the image process. Uh, performance, apps and data are co-located. So you have high bandwidth, low latency access to the, the backend servers that your users are using uh, for this. So if you think of, think of like a Redshift cluster that has terabytes or petabytes of data, you can provide access to uh, the SQL Workbench or uh, Python or R and R Studio and provide them the experience as though they're sitting in the AWS region with access with a wire directly into the Redshift cluster. Um, agility, because it is all HTML5 based, you can use any computer that has an HTML5 compliant browser to access and stream Windows applications, scale on demand using our auto scaling policies and global reach through the uh, nine different regions that we have. And the example applications that we see are things like Siemens NX, uh, Autodesk AutoCAD, uh, MathWorks, MATLAB, SAP GUI, and things like this. Um, Veolia is using AppStream to, as part of their overall journey to migrate to uh, web-based apps to, for the applications that uh, they still need that, can't, that don't have web app equivalents. They're delivering Windows applications to Chromebooks. So as part of their overall journey, enabling uh, remaining productivity by delivering those Windows applications to a Chromebook. Vanguard is using AppStream to provide essentially a bastion host into their resources. So the developers have the ability to access their resources securely within uh, the uh, AWS environment without any worry about data coming back out of that environment. And with that, I will hand it over to Ian from GE to talk about the GE story. Thank you, Marley. So good morning, everybody. My, for those who don't know me, I'm Ian Chadwick. I'm a solution architect from uh, General Electric. And I've been moving uh, applications to the cloud for the past four years now. So just a quick show of hands. Who, who's heard of General Electric? OK. Who's heard of GE Renewable Energies? Good. Well, for those of you who haven't heard of General Electric, the next slide, General, uh, GE Renewable Energies, the next slide will tell you a bit more about it. And for those of you who know about it, hopefully you'll pick up a few tidbits. So obviously, General Electric's been around for about 127 years now, so you know, it's quite famous. However, uh, renewable Energies, even though some of its business units have been operating for about 80 years, was only formed about uh, four years ago now in 2015. So today it consists of six business units that we have up here. We have onshore and offshore uh, wind, which are on the far right-hand side. And they have about 42,000 turbines that we've actually uh, delivered around the world today. And we're currently building the, the world's largest and uh, most powerful one in Rotterdam. And give you an idea of the size of this thing, if you take the Statue of Liberty and put it on top one, on top of the other, on top of the other, so three Statues of Liberty, it gives you an idea just how big this turbine is. <sighs> Following on from that, we have, <laughs> I can't read from the slide, we have LM Wind. So LM Wind, are a Danish company bought in 2017, and they actually make the large blades that go onto these turbines. So these are all made by hand, and some of these can be up 207 meters long. To give you an idea, this, 
The average American football field uh, is 50 foot short of this. These things are huge. So once they're made, they're stuck together and they're transported out. Um, and believe it or not, the company started out in 1914. They actually started building wooden furniture and caravans. So you can see they've, they've come a long way since then. After that, we've got uh, Hydro. So there's one of our examples not far from here, the Hoover Dam. Uh, hydro, they make the turbines, generators that uh, provide the electricity. And not only do they do classic solutions, which are taking water from dams or from rivers and providing electricity, they also have something called pump storage, which in simple terms is a huge battery. Uh, what they do is when there's excess electricity, they take this from the grid and they pump water from a reservoir on the bottom all the way to a reservoir on the top. When we have peak demands or when the sun's not shining or when there's not enough wind, we can then take that water, we can pass it back through there and generate electricity. This means we can keep houses supplied with clean electricity throughout the day. Following on to this, we have grid solutions. And grid solutions, they help us bring electricity from the power stations through to the substations and, sub and onto your homes. They build transformers, switches, control systems, uh, that handles sometimes up to 120,000 kilovolts. So this is obviously a little bit more than we get from your outlets that you have in your house. At the end, we've got hybrid solutions. So hybrids, they bring all this technology together. So they have solar, they have wind, we have battery power, we have the control systems, generators, all this. So bringing this all together, we can help provide clean energy to as many homes as we can. So our cloud journey, as I mentioned, started in 2015. Now, G Renewal Energy is an enterprise-sized company, but you know, being created in 2015, we still have this sort of mentality of being a sort of a, a startup. We still want to be agile. We still want to be conscious of costs and things. You know, and AWS is helping us to do that with all the different services it has. So in 2017, our current CIO arrived. And in 2018, it quickly realized that cloud was the way to go. And she started our cloud initiative to ramp that up. And we had a couple of objectives there. We obviously needed to reduce the cost. We wanted to integrate some of the businesses that you've seen we've taken on. And she also set this cloud target of adopting 80% of our applications in the cloud by 2021. So we've, we've moved a lot of our... Uh, uh, applications across there now. Just to give you an idea of where we've come from. In 2018, we had two VPCs, 10 servers, and I think two databases. Today, we're now hosting 20 VPCs, over 600 servers, and 140 databases. This is in less than two years. To manage this and to help the operations here, the teams and the operations, automation and security teams, they've increased fivefold. We've gone from two pizza teams to <laughs> a lot of pizza teams. So we've done a lot of work over this time. Okay. So I'm going to walk through one of the applications that uh, we took today uh, into AppStream. So this is a tool called Eng Engineering Management Tool. It was a tool that was created in 2014 in Spain, and it's this sort of classic IT story. You know, the business build an application, 
uh, it's in Excel, it's in Word, it's in uh, Access. Uh, and this thing gets developed and developed and developed. And eventually, after a couple of years, becomes this huge, unmanageable collection of code and data. And normally reaches a critical mass of unmanageability, at which point it's sort of handed over to the IT team with the post-it on it. Can you please fix this and manage it for us? So I guess you've all got one somewhere around in your, uh, your business. We didn't actually get to this critical mass. The, the team actually came and spoke to us before we got there. Uh, and as I was saying, the, this, was, this was built in 2014. It started in Spain, managing 40 people. In the following years, in 2014, 2017, this was a raging success. It got taken on by eight other sites. Uh, we went from one single installation out to nine installations and 800 people. So this is now uh, getting a very, very big application. And finally, in 2017, there was a change in the organization. Uh, the engineering organization became global. So this meant engineers from the different sites, from different projects, now had to work across all the different sites and all the different projects. And this made using this application extremely complicated. And trying to do reports across all these different sites really didn't work. So something had to change. So this is why they came to, to us and said, we need help now. How, how can we uh, improve this application? Now, the obvious solution is here. I think Morali mentioned earlier on. Let's put a web interface on the front of it. Let's put a nice database in there, single consolidated database. You know, let's run this on serverless architecture. And this is still the goal today. This is what we want to do. Unfortunately, the teams that developed this have other commitments and couldn't provide this within timescales that's going to be acceptable to the business. So what they were looking for was a temporary solution to allow them time to get this developed. So what they were looking for, we're looking for a solution that's scalable. It can handle 800 people. It has to work from around the world. They don't want us to spend any capital expenditure. We can't put investment. We can't go buy licenses. This is the throwaway product later on. And we've got to keep 800 users happy. So this is where we start looking towards AppStream to help us out. The solution in general is we're going to take the nine databases, we're going to bring it to one site, we're going to use AppStream for the front end. One of the first things that we, we looked at was this application uses local authentication and with the changes today, our security running rules don't allow us to have this. We needed to find a solution for this. So what we did was we took the SAML login page that you have inside of AWS, we connected it to the GE uh, identity provider, so this is called the GE SSO. With this, we managed to have a primary authentication method that hooked into our IDM systems, our identity management systems, and gave us a holistic user management. Security happy, end users were happy, as the SSO system we have today in GE is connected to about 10,000 other applications. So this wasn't anything strange to normal users. In addition, if they'd already connected to a web application in day, they didn't even see the login page and all this for no extra cost. As I mentioned, we bought the, the data, the code, and everything back. We put the code for the users onto the AppStream solution. We brought the files, we brought the reporting and the databases back onto a simple EC2 unit. What this would allow, this would allow the developers to do is, as they're tra transitioning towards this web interface and they're consolidating databases, they can make these updates very quickly, very simply, 
in one, in one single place. We have a sort of notion of self-service. We use catalogs, uh, service catalog. This can help our, our operations teams to deploy uh, frequently requested services like EC2 storage, etc. But it can also help us set up environments like AppStream. We have Tata Consulting uh, aut automation engineers here who helped us define what we wanted to do, make the products, and then deploy the IAM, IAM roles for users, for the application owners, the S3 buckets, all this going to create the AppStream environment. And finally, we'll see a little bit more about this later. We've put in place IAM roles. We've tried to give the application owners the freedom to do as much as they can within reason within these environments so they can keep rolling out their applications. We don't want to have this stop, start, stop, start. So you'll see later how the applications have a lot of freedom inside of our environments, albeit very controlled. But if you're like me, I like playing with new toys and things and, and new features, and AppStream was a great way of innovating. But innovation in isolation can often lead to some architectures which are insecure or very costly. So during the development phase, we worked hand in hand with the uh, security teams. We also made sure we gave transparent cost estimates to our business. And by encapsulating this innovation inside cost and inside security, we've now, we're now providing not only this, but other solutions which are cost effective, secure, and allow us to, the business to function. So managing scale. As I mentioned earlier, we've got 800 users across six time zones. So before starting to put AppStream in place, we needed to understand how big we needed to size our fleets. So I went to talk to the application owner and said, can you tell me how do your users connect? When do they connect? What do they do? And he went, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> So we spent time with him uh, looking into that application, trying to gather this information to find out how things were working. And what we found out was even though the users are spread across six time zones, they're actually grouped into three continents. If you think about it, we've got Asia, Europe, and the Americas. So about nine o'clock in the morning in Asia, everybody comes into work, they start using the application. They'll continue. Europe, the Europeans will come to work and they'll come along. And then finally, you'll have the Americans joining later on the day. So you'll have, a peak, you'll have peaks coming up, and in the middle of the day, we found out we were using anywhere between 40 to 50 concurrent uh, connections at the time. So we took all this, and this gave us a user profile. So we knew what the users were doing throughout the day on a weekly, monthly basis. So we then took this and started looking, what methods can we use to make sure that our AppStream fleets can be available when these people come into work. So, this is a graph here. This is taken straight off the AppStream console. So, I haven't touched this at all. Um, I'll just walk you through it a little bit. On the one side, you've got the instances along the bottom as a time scale. And then the blue line at the top. So, this is actually um, what we're requesting AppStream to provide us. So you can see the big peaks that it jumps, jumps up and then comes down. So the blue line is what we asked for. The purple line is what AppStream actually provides. These are the number of the servers that it's spun up behind the scenes that are waiting to be used. And finally underneath you can see the orange line. So this is what's being used by our users. And the name of the game is to try and get these two together. 
get them as close as we can so we're not having instances that aren't being used. But we need to avoid any uh, out-of-resource errors. So there is one there in the, in the middle, that sort of green line there. That shows that we had users who came along and didn't have any instances. So it's a game we have to try. We put an initial plan together at the beginning of this year um, for our users. And we reviewed this over a period of two months every week to try and change this and fine-tune this. Now, in order to put this in place, we use some of the features within inside of AppStream. First of which is the scheduling. So we can schedule additional instances to be spun up. Uh, there is a lead time for spinning up instances on AppStream. And to compensate for this, because we've got a profile, we know what our user is doing, you can see that we jump up uh, the amount of instances available and AppStream follows. So if we have repetitive, large changes in the loads, we can use this to anticipate those and make sure that we have uh, instances available. When we come towards the fine tuning though, we've used three policies. So we've got two scale out policies, which you can see working here, bringing uh, the AppStream fleets up to size. So the first one triggers at about 75% usage. So as the fleets start to get used, it will start adding on instances slowly. Sometimes if we do have a large load coming along, as you see in the middle there, we trigger the second one. The second, second policy is a bit more aggressive and it will add about five or 10 instances afterwards. So this is cumulative. This will add on to what is already going there. So between the scheduling, the two scale up policies, we're handling the majority of requests that are coming in through the day. Again, this is for 800 users coming in on a constant basis. These machines are being added and created all the time. And finally, we have the third policy, which is scale in policy, which you can see on the right hand side. And that's gonna bring the uh, fleets nicely down. In general, as you can see here, we have somewhere between 40 to 50 uh, instances in the middle of the day. Uh, the weekends, we can be down to sort of four or five. So you can see the range uh, of uses this application has. So summarize a bit there, by understanding how our application is used, we can manage the costs. Frictionless IT. So, in the, as I mentioned earlier, we're a sort of agile, innovative thing. We're always looking to change, to improve our processes. We're look, already look, looking for ways to remove what I call value-added tasks. Now, value-added, the non-value-added task for me is, I don't want somebody calling me up and asking, can I switch my EC2 on? I'll go to the console, switch it on. Okay, he's got what he wanted, but what did I add to that? Make it even more, maybe, ridiculous. Could you imagine somebody coming in the morning and phoning the IT department up, can, can you switch my PC on? These things are adding no value to the business and we try to get rid of them. So our frictionless IT, friction, if you want, in the physical world, is a force that's stopping progress. For us in the IT, friction is the continual handover between different teams. We hand it over, we wait, we get something done, we hand it back again. This is all slowing us down. So this sounds good, but what can we do to reduce this? We looked at ways of giving our application owners as much uh, freedom as they could within the AWS environment without impacting either the larger infrastructure inside the VPC or other applications. 
In order to do this, one of the first things we did is we needed to identify all the resources of a single application. So anything that you will see inside of our BVCs either has a name or a tag which is attached to a specific number, or as we call it, a unique identifier. Once we have these in place, we can put in place what we call role-based access control. That is, we put in IMA policies that give users the rights to do things, but is limited to only their application. So now they can access any, they can do anything they want, but only to their applications. In addition, we have two different environments. We have the non-production environment, production environment. Non-production, we let them do a little bit more. They're free to test out service and things. Whereas in the production environment, this is where we protect them and make sure that we can run these applications on a day-to-day -day basis. Put it another way, non-production, they can create, they can modify, they can delete, they can change. Inside of production, they can only modify what already exists. Once all this has been put in place, we can now hand all this over to the application owner. The cloud team can go off for a coffee, and the application owner can go through. They can create their image builder. They can install their software, create their images, build the fleets and the stacks, and ultimately get to the point of testing in UAT. Any regression that is found, any problems can very quickly be passed back towards the application owner, and he's completely free to modify this again. So this all lends itself to the agile methodology where we're doing many iterations a day. We're not building a big application and then presenting it and coming back with a whole list of things to change. We can do this quickly. And as I say, this is all very frictionless. We're not having to get involved. Obviously, the cloud team is still there to provide support if need be, but as well we can, we leave the hands off, we let people get on with their work. Seamless deployment. Once the application owner is happy, they have a secure, fully tested image. We wanted a one click, but we got two clicks. He can deploy the image two clicks. He shares the image from the production environment into the production environment. He goes to the fleet. He changes over the image. That's now live. It took him two clicks. If there are any problems, if there is anything that's found out as a problem, there is always the image there, the old image there, he can switch back. So by empowering our, our application owners with as much freedom as they can, I hope you can see here they can go from development right the way to production, hopefully with no help or intervention from anybody else in the cloud team. We didn't stop there though. We went on to look at sort of other ways Oops, sorry, one slide. Thank you, Morali. I'll hand over to you. Thanks. For uh, showing how you can empower your application owners and really change your workflow. Uh, we do have another session at 1.45 uh, later with GE Power going into more detail about how to empower the application owner and how, can you, how you can use our APIs to build an enterprise application onboarding workflow, uh, very similar to what Ian has built. <clears throat> so shifting gears a little bit for the software vendor side of the house, and some of the enterprises that we've been working with also have a software delivery component, so this is still interesting. Uh, so we, we see software vendors using AppStream to deliver online trials, training, and satisfying their application. Uh, so on the trials and demo side, we have SolidWorks, who has their traditionally delivered uh, large installable. You have to download it from their website, install it, configure it, uh, just to even get started seeing what SolidWorks is about. 
And so now they're using AppStream to deliver a trial without requiring any installation or configuration. You go to their website, you sign up for it, you can immediately get started playing with SolidWorks within the browser to get a feel for it without having to do anything. Super frictionless. So you don't have to worry about having to go through this entire process. Uh, training workshops is another big one. I mentioned MathWorks earlier. So MathWorks with the MATLAB software previously would have to carry around these large engineering workstations or engineering laptops in order to provide CUDA workloads or a CUDA uh, environment for these applications. Now with AppStream, they're able to spin up an environment for the two or three days of their training, uh, training workshop or their certification environment, and they only need it when they're doing it. So as soon as they're done, they're turned off and they're not paying for anything. Finally, we see uh, ISVs moving towards satisfying their traditional client-server application using AppStream. So before, you'd have to go sell a perpetual license and then a support contract, and uh, the customer would then have to go install it themselves. If it was a client-server application, they'd have to go install the server backend and manage it all themselves. Now with AppStream, you can make this a totally SaaS-based environment where you're managing both the client side as well as the server side. And this really accelerates the time it takes for your customers to upgrade. Now you're not worried about, oh, the customer is five years back because they haven't chosen to buy a new software version. You can manage it for them. And so to talk about uh, one of those SASification journeys, I'd like to introduce you to Jamil from Multiview Financial, who will talk about their journey of delivering uh, their application as a SaaS using AppStream. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Morali. Um, welcome to Las Vegas. Welcome to reInvent. Thanks for coming to our session today. My name is Jamil El Gazelle. I'm part of the technology services team at Multiview Financial Software. Um, a little bit about me and my company. Uh, we're based out of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And uh, Ottawa is a great city. Uh, traditionally has a, a great pool of uh, R&D researchers that have catered to the federal government over the last 100 years. And uh, Ottawa consistently ranks high on livability indexes uh, globally. Um, now, if you can't tell, I am proud of my city, but also very proud of Multiview and what we've done, and I'd like to tell you about that today. Uh, Multiview builds accounting and financial management software. Okay? Um, our clients are spread across North America, both Canada and the United States, and um, our core financials product really helps them get insights into their financial positions live in real time. And that's one of the things that stands out from Multiview compared to our competitors is we can offer our clients deep insights live into their, into their uh, financial positions. And as you know, knowledge is power. As opposed to some of our competing uh, uh, players in the space where the information is days, sometimes weeks or months behind. So um, the reason I'm here today is to tell you about AppStream 2.0, our selection process of why we landed on AppStream and uh, the case, uh, the use case. Now that's really the official reason, but you know, there's, a, there's a real story underneath the surface, and that story is about how an established company like Multiview, who has been in business since 1990, reinvented itself, pun intended, to go from a traditional sales model of selling software to now having transformed into a SaaS business by way of AWS products and services. So let's get started. Um, so Multiview, of course, have, as I said, has been in business since 1990. We've had to renew ourselves throughout those three decades, next year being our 30th anniversary. Um, we have an existing product. It's a Win32 application. It's installed on-premise. 
Uh, we install remotely on the client's uh, server that they would stand up for us. And then we would provide them a uh, Windows-based application. And that client server product uh, has been uh, you know, reiterated over the years and uh, worked very well for us and our clients. Um, but over the last couple years, five years ago or so, six years ago, we began to see demand from the marketplace to be able to offer uh, and complement our existing product line with a cloud version of the software. And as we know, that shift has taken place uh, and continues to take place today. Um, currently, it's almost 19 out of 20 new deals for us is cloud. So the market truly has shifted. No one is interested in on-prem software anymore, pretty much. Um, and so AWS serves us very well. So um, we came up with the plan. Let's build a cloud-based application uh, to deploy to our clients over the internet. And so began the journey. So when we looked at our options, it was really two, two options. We can rebuild MultiView from the ground up as a, as a pure web application, or we knew that there were ways that we could uh, use a technology to stream that Windows app, uh, the existing Windows app, uh, over the internet to end users. So um, comparing the two, now, this selection process that I'm about to go through, of course, simplifies a very long journey. But um, for your benefit, uh, I've summarized it into this one slide. So rebuilding as a web app, of course, lots of dev time. And for a company like MultiView, who is tooled up uh, to develop in one way, it would require um, new hires, new talent. Um, of course, that would cost a lot. The R&D would cost uh, quite a bit. And the time to market would be years. So with that proposition, of course, we have many unknowns. Um, the other alternative was to find a VDI or RDP or desktop as a service platform um, to stream that existing multi-view application uh, over the internet. So of course, with that, there would probably be very little or no coding changes at all. We would have a very low cost uh, path. Uh, we would have a solution almost available immediately overnight, which was very advantageous to us, especially when you have clients calling and asking for that. Uh, and it, it pains a, a software vendor to have to turn away customers, as you know. Uh, and with that proposition would be few unknowns. Um, so as we went down the path, um, we said, let's try to find the second option. Let's try to find a platform that allows us to stream or deploy that web, that uh, Windows application over the internet. And MultiView would host it. So, the things that we compared when we looked out in the marketplace, we compared over two dozen different platform services. Um, really, the first four listed there are user experience, uh, video quality, mouse and keyboard responsiveness, or feel. Printing is very important, especially for an accounting application. And ability to upload and download files from the local PC to the remote uh, desktop. So those are all user experience, truly important for MultiView, which maintains a very high quality user experience through and through. Um, we also looked at the cost licensing. We looked at how user management would work, infrastructure management. Now, when you, you look at other platforms, uh, and some of especially the traditional platforms that have been around for two decades, there is quite a bit of upfront cost, quite a bit of expertise required to manage those systems. And, and quite frankly, we did not have the expertise. And when we looked around, um, we didn't find anyone really that was going to be able to help us through that transition. Um, we also considered maintenance of the platform, uh, the scalability of it. Security is incredibly important, especially since a great deal of MultiView's business is healthcare-based. Um, we consider security primal, or, or one of the prime things that um, 
that uh, is very important to us. And of course, when you're selecting a partner, you look at the maturity of that partner. You don't want to select a partner, of course, that is, has been around for maybe only a year or two or in a startup phase. Uh, that imp that produce, it, uh, exposes your company to risk, and we were trying to be risk averse. <clears throat> so through that journey of uh, over two dozen platforms, uh, we selected AppStream 2.0. And uh, AppStream 2.0, working with uh, Morali and the rest of the AWS team out of Seattle, um, um, brought us to a very reliable platform that we built our business on over the last couple of years. And of course, with AppStream 2.0, you have a very fluid video stream. Uh, it feels better. Our customers have said, the ones that have transitioned from on-prem to cloud have said that the responsiveness and feel feels better through the browser when the pixel is being streamed to the user as opposed to using the application natively on their own computers. And of course, that's true because we're using very powerful back-end servers to stream those instances. Um, MultiView prints very easily with AppStream. We have very good easy uh, uh, file upload and downloading. When a user is uploading a file, it's very easy to do so with, with AppStream. And conversely, downloading files to the local machine that are exported out of MultiView uh, works very well with AppStream 2.0. Um, and of course, with AppStream 2.0, there is no infrastructure for us to manage. It's all uh, virtually done through the AWS management console. Um, for someone, for some, a company like MultiView that had no experience with AWS prior to this journey, bringing on um, or um, uh, migrating to AppStream uh, was a very easy transition because the tools within the AppStream 2.0 uh, GUI were very easy for us to use. Um, and of course, there was no upfront cost. And some of the other traditional platforms to stream a Windows application over the internet required that upfront cost of buying that infrastructure. We, of course, did not have that with AWS. We really go on this pay-as-you-go model. And uh, we've been able to optimize our costs by uh, committing to uh, two or three-year terms on the EC2 instances that we have running in the background. Um, so that works very well for us in trying to keep our costs as low as possible to pass on that savings to our customers. And of course, because it's on AWS, we connect easily into backend services. Um, to illustrate that point to you, um, this is what MultiView does. We set up a separate VPC for each of our clients. So we stand up a new VPC, and then within that VPC, we have all of our resources, uh, and we break them into different security groups as well for enhanced security. And each channel there that you see uh, where there's a connection being made is fully encrypted uh, by AES-256 or uh, SSL. So this model here um, allows us to separate each of our clients within one AWS account by way of the um, very helpful labeling and tagging that AWS offers. So our, our single AWS account has all of our client accounts in it, and we can see each of the different resources tagged properly. So it's very easy for me um, to identify what VPC is for what client, what EC2 instances are for what client, what AppStream resources are for what client. So it's all very easy to manage and maintain. For a company, remember that sold a traditional product in a traditional way and then shifted into this managed service provider where we host on behalf of our clients. So, of course, um, um, that's the multi-view journey on AppStream. I hope you got some value out of it. Thank you very much. <clears throat> uh, thanks, Jamil, for walking through how you were able to satisfy your traditional client-server application. Uh, the final big bucket of customers that we see are in the public sector and educational customers. Uh, if I had more time, I would have had a customer come up. Fortunately, we only have the time that we have. 
Uh, so we see in the educational space, customers are uh, traditionally virtualizing their labs and classrooms. So if you think about in the education space, when you went through college, you had these large computer labs that were taking up space that you could have otherwise used for classrooms. We're seeing customers now replace those with AppStream. So customer uh, students can use their Chromebooks, their MacBooks, whatever device they're coming to the university with to get access to the applications that they need in order to do their schoolwork. And you can now reclaim that physical, uh, that physical lab space, get rid of all of those workstations that are, work, uh, that are in there, and make that into classroom space instead. And finally, online classrooms. Uh, so we worked with uh, the Canvas uh, team or the Canvas company to enable Blackboard and all these other things to integrate seamlessly with AppStream. So now, as part of uh, the student assignment, they can just immediately launch into their AppStream uh, session in order to use the application they need to provide uh, to do their coursework. So how do you get started with AppStream? Um, we have the AppStream try now. If you just Google for it, it'll take, it, take you there. Uh, if you have an existing AWS account, you can, click, you can click on it and try some of our trial applications to get a feel for what the AppStream streaming experience is through your HTML5 browser. Uh, we have a simple getting started guide which walks you through the entire workflow from creating your VPC all the way to getting your fleet and starting streaming it. Um, new this year uh, are the next two items. Um, the first one is the ISV workshop, which is a set of code templates that you can use that'll teach you not only the AppStream workflow, but also the uh, overall AWS set of services. So here's how you can use the AWS breadth of services to provide a full serverless environment for, uh, for integrating a AppStream application within your web portal. The next one is more tailored towards enterprises uh, for the enterprise application onboarding. So how do you use services like Step Functions, API Gateway, Lambda, and all these other services to provide a web portal that enables your application owners to create and manage their own AppStream environment. We have deployment guides for some of the software that has been certified on AppStream. Uh, and you can follow our desktop and application streaming blog, which has a lot of reference material, uh, customization guides, setup instructions, and other material like that. Uh, as well, we have a range of partners who are certified to deliver AppStream if you want to engage one of the partners. Um, so this slide is kind of busy, but it's kind of exciting. These are all the things that we've launched in 2019. Uh, so we've, I've talked about a little bit of it throughout, um, but we have a number of uh, exciting features that we've launched this year. Uh, the big ones that I want to call out are really on compliance. So we're now HIPAA eligible, and we have uh, PCI SOC 1 and SOC 2 and SOC 3 compliance for any of those workloads that you have. But otherwise, I'll just leave this up for a second so you can take pictures. Uh, I think the slides are also going to be released later. But these are all of the uh, variety of features that we've launched this year. Cool. Um, so we have a number of other sessions uh, if you want to learn more about AppStream or other journeys. Um, we have uh, the GE Power story at uh, 145 uh, back here in the Bellagio. Uh, as well as uh, other, for our sister service workspaces, you can learn how Carnival Cruise Line was able to migrate from their on-prem VDI environment into workspaces, uh, and also how Facebook deployed workspaces for um, their use case. We also have a customer reception that's tonight. If you're all interested in uh, hanging out with the service teams as well as our uh, specialized sales and uh, solutions architects. So this is open for everybody. There's no cost or anything like that. Just you need an RSVP by going to eucappsreception.splashthat.com uh, and it'll send you a meeting invite and very quickly thereafter.
Thank you all for your time this morning. Uh, we'll be hanging around for a little bit if you have any questions for us. But thank you.